Bears trying to get off to a great early start. Second and goal at the six-yard line. They have a wing tight end on the right. Play fake. Going to throw. Sends it to the left sideline. Should be a cinch. Touchdown Bears! It is! Right into the hands of Trevon Clark. You're a Pac-12 football fan, and you guessed that in week four, the final undefeated team standing alone atop the Pac-12 conference would be the Cal Bears. You're a winner. I don't think a lot of us guessed it that way. Maybe our next guest, Jim McGill, did. Writer and editor of BearInsider.com obviously covers the Cal Bears. Jim. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing good. What's happening? Well, we're trying to figure out what's going on in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, Cal Bears, the lone undefeated team left. <laughs> I know there was optimism with this coaching staff. There's optimism with this roster. Uh, they lost some important players last year. But here they are with a really strong start. Is this what you hope for even in your wildest dreams? 4-0 is definitely a best-case scenario. I, I think that a lot of people that follow the program closely thought they'd be 3-1. and They thought beating Washington on the road would probably be a tall order, doable, but things would have to break right. But 4-0 is definitely something that's got the Cal fans excited for sure. Chase Garbers, uh, what was that? Like, wh- wh- where, where did that come from? Um, that looked like none of the games he's ever played in college. <laughs> he looked great. If they have that, they have a big opportunity to win a lot of football games. It's funny. It's, it's a running dialogue on our Baron Cider board about, about Garbers because – <laughs> that I and fellow staff members have caught a lot of heat because we said he had a really good spring and he was completing a lot of intermediate and deep balls with authority that he hadn't done last season. And people are like, yeah, 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 we'll believe it when we see it. You said that about Ross Bowers last year and he fell apart. And uh, he had a, a fairly good fall, but not as good as spring. And and when he started off very unevenly outside of you know some some high spots like the crucial drive against Washington to win the game. Um, he, he just showed inconsistency, and he was very reluctant to, to let, let the ball fly, and people were wondering, is he just playing to not turn it over? But the players, especially after this last game, Nico Romijo and, and Evan Weaver and some of the other guys, they're saying that's what he does all the time in practice. It's a matter of it translating to a game, and I don't know if it was a confidence issue. I don't know if the, the coaches unleashed him a little bit more, but... Whatever it was, he's physically capable of it. He's just got to be able to read defenses with confidence and, and not you know, spiral if he, he has a pick or two. And he, he shrugged off his pick really well this time, unlike what he did in the, the Cheez-It Bowl last, last December. When you look at Cal, obviously right now a defensive-minded team, they're, the number that matters, that 4-0, and oh, that's the one that really matters, but... The trend in college football is you got to be scoring 35-plus points a game on a consistent basis if you want to really win at a high clip. And Cal hasn't even sniffed that yet. So how sustainable is this method of Cal football when it comes to maintaining their, their status as undefeated? If they continue to keep teams under 20 or in the low 20s, they're going to they're gonna win a ton of games and be in a really good bowl game. It is sustainable as long as they can keep teams to that level. And last season, their downfall was they had a couple of slip-ups where they 
they let the the offenses kind of take control. The UCLA upset was was one big example of that. The the Oregon game, nothing was working on defense for them. They've showed a ton of consistency, but I think in order to continue to play that way, they're probably going to have to get some of their unhealthy guys back. The the key guys that we're talking about here are the two starting outside linebackers, which would be. Um, Good and Paul, those two guys are, are key players for the defense, and they were suited up against Ole Miss, but I think the staff was being cautious with them, and even though they could have played, they didn't play them. The hope is that when they return, whether it's this week or next, that they return at close to full strength and are able to stick around during the season. That would make a big difference. I don't know if they're going to be able to take the top teams, limit them to you know low 20s or below without their full complement of, of defensive players. When is Evan Weaver going to get his due uh, nationally for the player that he is? He is fabulous. He is anchoring that defense. He is a tackling machine. He looked really good again on Saturday, no surprise. And it feels like the love is kind of not there yet for him. Well, it's interesting. I mean, he got national player of the week the first week, so he's obviously got some recognition, but he's not on the the lips of a lot of people nationally because they don't get a chance to see him. They did get a chance to see him this time because this game was was showed at at noon Eastern time and it was on ESPNU, so you have to think a lot of eyeballs were on him. He got Pac-12 player of the defensive player of the week again this week. So, recognition is somewhat there, but man, you keep piling up 22 tackles and jumping three people in the all-time tackles list, you're going to get the recognition. He's up to number six right now, and and uh, Ron Rivera is next on the list. He, he's on pace to catch him in three or four weeks. Well, he's on pace for 186 tackles this year, which would just be, I don't know if that's a national record, but it seems like it probably would be. It's right at the national record. It's it, it was some obscure school that that set it um, about twenty years ago. I think he, he he's got a chance. That's amazing. So um, the, the other, I know it's early in the season to talk about something like this because we'll be revisiting it uh, when the season's over and full season turns to NFL preparation. But is Evan Weaver uh, like? He's one of the best linebackers in college football, obviously, if not the best linebacker in college football. But is he a surefire NFL prospect? Is he going to be able to put up the numbers, the measurables, and that kind of stuff? If he's healthy, I'd say absolutely yes. I think he came out of last season thinking that he was going to be a top three-round pick. And I don't think he got that draft feedback. So he went back to the lab. He lost 15 pounds by changing his diet. He, he, he would tell you himself that his diet was, was pretty much chicken fingers and ice cream before. But he's, uh, he's eating healthy now, and he's stepped up his workouts even more. So when, when you factor that in with his durability and his consistent performance on the field, absolutely, he's got to be a top three-round pick. Going back to the offense real quick, uh, Sean and we were talking about this, is you know, who who's the guy? Like, like If they need a play to be made or a couple plays to be made, who's the offensive weapon they're turning to and saying, hey, Garbers, target this guy, let's hand the ball off here. Like, I think they're still missing that guy, in our opinion. Until Chris Brown got hurt, I would say it would be him because he consistently picked up tough yards and, and he could do it either on the ground between the tackles, outside the tackles, or through the air. But he got hurt 
in their previous week's game, and he obviously wasn't full strength this last week. He got eight carries, but um, he he didn't seem like he was the same player. But he did get that that touchdown reception on the swing pass. So he's one guy. Um, there's a really good connection between Garbers and Nico Romijo. They've worked really well together off season, and they've made some nice connections in season. I think one of the better receivers to start to to stand out is Michigan transfer Kakoa Crawford. Um, he is has really been a pleasant surprise for Cal fans. He was highly touted out of high school, but you just never know with transfers that aren't playing a lot at their previous school if they're if they're going to do it. And another guy who's kind of emerging is tight end Jake Tongas. He earned a scholarship just before the season after a really good camp, and he's got a lot of athleticism. And if you saw that game, he had that 60-yard touchdown where he, he put a big move on a DB and outran everybody and just made it to the end zone. He's got great hands, and he's a strong guy. So there's a lot of different ways that they could go this year, unlike last year. Last year there were very few options. I know that Coach Wilcox just just got an extension, and he got raises for his staff, and he's beloved in Berkeley. Um, If he has a great year this year, we're going to start hearing his name associated with other jobs, big jobs. Is one of the fast-rising coaches in college football. He's still a very young guy. Uh, how happy is he in Berkeley? What kind of sense do you get of that? And is he there kind of for the long haul? I know it's not a destination job per se, but he's not already looking for greener grass, I imagine. No, he's not pulling a Sunny Dykes. Um, it's interesting because Cal had the benefit of Justin having worked at Cal before for three years. They gave him his start as a, in his first position coach role as a young coach not too long out of college when he coached linebackers from 03 to 05. So he knew exactly what he was getting into coming back to Cal. It wasn't like he was jumping at the first head coach position position available. Normally, Cal fans would worry that when a a young coach has success, he's going to get poached. And there will be programs that will come after him if he wins 9 or 10 games or even more. But he's a unique person. He's not a guy that likes to deal with a lot of the the BS and hype that surrounds some of the bigger name programs that'll throw a bunch of money at you. He's very comfortable at Cal. He's a, he's a low maintenance guy, and I just don't think he aspires to have more zeros behind his contract. I think he aspires to be at a place where he can build a winning, sustainable program and have a good quality of life. And so far, it seems to be a good match with him. Sort of like the game this weekend against Arizona State is a, a matchup featuring two teams that are very similar, right? Defensive-minded teams, uh, offensively challenged at times. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a very close game, and obviously I hope Cal wins so when Cal comes to Eugene, uh, hey, maybe game day could be there as well, but just a, a big game for the Pac-12 Conference the following weekend. Yeah, it should be a really good matchup. I think Cal fans were hoping that Arizona State could hold off Colorado and they could come up to to Cal undefeated for an even more exciting showdown. I think one of the keys in this game will be if if Cameron Good and Tevin Paul are back at outside linebacker, if they can be there for outside contain against Daniels, um, I think that will help a lot, and I think the Bears would, would be pretty certain to pull out a win there as long as they didn't turn over the ball very much. But if there's some uncertainty there with those two, it's a real coin flip in my mind. I still think Cal would win, but it would be closer than closer than you'd you'd want it to be. It's been two years in a row now that this Cal team has upset Washington, and 
for whatever reason, I get fascinated with these sort of like thorn-in-the-side programs. I mean, obviously Washington has a little bit better name value. Their recruiting classes have been rated higher. I uh, love Coach Wilcox, but Chris Peterson is, is ranked higher on the coaching scheme than he is. And yet, Cal's a bad matchup for Washington. So do they have like a special relationship that they're just good against the Huskies? Or is this a Cal team that's emerging and is going to start proving themselves against every Pac-12 North power and maybe every Pac-12 power to boot, you know, even in the South? Probably a little bit of both, but... Uh... Jeff, I've been saying your Ducks are probably the team that's going to give Cal the the most trouble this year. I just don't feel like they match up with them as well as they do Washington. Um, It it should be a a really interesting test, but those two coaches have been associated with each other for a long time, so they know each other's tendencies, and you'd have to think that if there's a way to beat the Huskies, um, Coach Wilcox knows knows how to do it, but it obviously takes – clutch performances by his players, which they've, they've gotten uh, the, the two times in two years in a row that they've beaten them, and they, they beat them under Dykes and, uh, five years ago, too, so they've won three out of five. Pretty amazing, considering how much stronger a program Washington's been lately, but, but Cal's definitely on the come. They, they've started to turn a corner this year. Everybody has said if their offense was at least decent, if not good, they're, they're going to beat a lot more teams, and when they started to show the ability to move the ball like they did against Ole Miss, combined with a solid defense, that's a that's a, a tough team to beat, no matter what their history has been lately. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take before Ole Miss fans stop talking about that near touchdown next board? Well, I think until everybody starts watching the the tweet video from my colleague Emily Van Buskirk where she was right down the sideline and unlike ESPN for whatever reason showed clearly that he caught the ball with his feet in but the ball out and his knee out. I mean clear as day and I know they're saying well let's just review it and show it but the the critical element there is the ref was right there to see it just like that camera angle caught and if you do that you give them a timeout that they didn't have and it's a real unfair advantage for a a play that they did not feel like should be reviewed because it was clear to the referee it was clear to anybody on the sideline what happened and Cal gets the win deservedly so 4-0 Cal Bears Jim McGill writes and edits bearinsider.com. Go follow him on Twitter at bearinsider underscore com. Jim, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time. You too. And by the way, I talked to your dad, Lee, today, and he said to tell you hi, and we're big fans of Mitch, too. He's a, he's an amazing NFL player. He is fantastic, and uh, the Chiefs looking great as well. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's Jim McGill. Jim, you're the man. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Mm-hmm.